Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. Hello and welcome to the TIFO Football Podcast. I'm Joe Devine and I'm now joined by Alex Stewart. Good morning, Joe Devine. Good morning and Seb Stafford-Bloor. Hello, Joe. Hello. Uh, today we have a bumper show. That's what people say, isn't it? A bumper show uh, full of bumpers. Um, and one of them is uh, Jack Pitbrook from The Athletic. So Jack joins us at the very beginning to chat for 10 minutes about the situation with Kieran Trippier and the betting-related football ban and fine. Uh, very interesting, unusual situation, uh, although apparently not as unusual as I imagined that it would be. So Jack explains all of that um, and why uh, it's uh, such a complex issue, where the line of culpability is. Hmm. Uh, and then uh, for the main thrust of the episode, uh, we are talking again about sensible transfers. We have another list of players here, some of them huge, some of them merely interesting, uh, who we're going to discuss. Uh, so hopefully uh, you'll all enjoy that and stick around for it. But before we begin, Seb, did you know that if you want to read high quality uh, pieces about football or indeed most many other sports, you can do so uh, ad free and uh, in a premium and exclusive luxury way uh, on your phone on an app called The Athletic. I did know that, Joe. Yes, I have been on this podcast many times and I've yes. become aware okay. of this shush, shush up now, <laughs> shush up, stop talking. And Alex, <laughs> do you enjoy doing what I've just said uh, you can do? What? Looking at football writing on the Athletic app? Yes. I, I enjoy it as much as I enjoy anything. Okay, well, that's Marketing 101 for you. Do you know about it? Yes. Do you enjoy it? Yes. So that means everyone listening also will. And that's the rule. So if you visit theathletic.com forward slash TIFO, uh, you can find out if the rule applies to you. But you've got to do it first to find out. That's the game. Uh... <laughs> Cooking with the finest ingredients here, aren't you? <laughs> anyway, I'll leave you now in the warm hands and the cool embrace of Mr. Jack Pitbrook. Jack Pitbrook, hello. Hey, how are you? I'm all right. Uh, you're here to talk to me about Kieran Trippier um, and uh, and the betting case uh, because it's it's an interesting one. I mean, we want to talk a little bit about uh, why it's such a complex issue and some of the I don't know some of the sort of 
the crossovers uh, and the difficulties within the, the football industry itself. But for a start, for those people who, who haven't uh, been aware of this story or haven't read the finer details, such as myself until this morning when I read your piece on The Athletic, uh, I think it's worth doing a little pricey. And so th- th- this uh, case refers to uh, Kieran Trippier's move to Atletico Madrid um, and essentially a WhatsApp group, uh, I'm right in thinking, where he uh, let a couple of friends know uh, accidentally or not, that he was going to be moving. Those friends then bet on him making that move before it was public knowledge. Can you just walk me through uh, the story briefly so that everybody's up to date with us? Yeah, so basically, Kieran Trippier has been banned from football for 10 weeks and fined £70,000 because of a series of WhatsApps that he sent to his friends in July 2019 when he was on the brink of moving from Tottenham to Atletico Madrid for £25 million. These were messages which indicated that he was off to Atletico and which his friends used to put money on that happening. And crucially, Trippier knew that they were going to bet or Trippier could reasonably have known that his friends were going to bet on this transfer. Now, this is not allowed by the FA. Uh, They don't want people using their insider knowledge from football to either make money for themselves or for their friends. It's similar case to the one brought against Daniel Sturridge. Uh, Sturridge was Sturridge got a longer ban and a heavier fine uh, about eighteen months ago for talking his friends through his move away from Liverpool and getting his friends to bet on various potential moves. Not all of which happened. Um, so it's a very it's a very it's a difficult issue. This because it it raises lots of questions about the crossover between football and betting. Yeah, and what areas of activity and behaviour the FA should be able to investigate and punish. I'm sure we'll get into this later on. So, But that broadly is what's happened here. We absolutely will get into that. I want to come to the the idea of where the the line is in terms of his culpability. Before we do that, uh, I think it's worth, and and, and of course this hasn't made uh, a huge amount of difference to the case itself or to the punishment handed out, but I think it's worth people knowing um, the amount of money that was actually made from from these uh, bets that weren't supposed to be allowed. I've got the figures in front of me, or if you remember them, put it this way, it's less than £1,500 in total from mm, 23 bets now i know that doesn't make it uh any less wrong but it, it, it for me when i got to that point of your article it felt like it put it in a slightly different context is that fair or does it just not make any difference the laws the law for me the smallness of the sums of money underlines the fact that there is no scandal here there's no conspiracy and there is certainly no attempt you know, we can say this with certainty there's no attempt from even from trippier himself to defraud people or to make money from anyone or to cheat anyone i think that is very very clear like even even what trippier has done is simply respond to questions from his mates about this uh you know respond honestly and probably quite naively um by giving them this information but it's this is not some conspiracy to 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 defraud bookmakers at all and the sums of money that you know if it was a conspiracy to defraud bookmakers you would think they would have made a bit more money out of it like it (laughs) it just it i know it looks bad this story and lots of people some or some people have got quite angry and uh self-righteous about it i really don't think the offense here is particularly bad 
No, I, I really my favourite bit of your article about it was um, the first the first part that references a bet at all, and it's one of the friends who uh, it, 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 some total by the end had made eighteen bets. That the total made from that was uh, just over thirteen hundred pounds. Uh, but the first bet that you referenced him making was, was a bet of twenty pounds, and I just remember thinking that like, I've heard about this story a lot. I haven't hadn't really read the finer details until this morning. I'd heard about it a lot. I'd heard about the um, the, the, the punishment of the fine that had been handed out, and of course the conversation as it relates to um, you know the, the the complexity of the issue. Uh, I had no idea that the the, the numbers were, were so small, which uh, yeah has, has changed the way I look at it a little bit. Um, and also you say. You know, he he he's um he hasn't really encouraged anybody to bet. He but but the the ruling was that he you know could have reasonably known that that was going to happen. There's only one case I think. Um, an additional friend asks him if he should lump on, and uh, he says, "Well, Trippier responds saying something like, you know, don't don't blame me if something goes wrong." Um, but initially he just asks a friend if he'll come to Madrid with him to sign, which made me think that really puts footballers in quite a difficult situation doesn't it i suppose if you don't have an immediate family then the number of people that you can talk to about uh you know huge life decisions i suppose are other footballers really yeah i i think it is setting an unrealistically high bar for behavior yeah. to to tell trippier or any footballer in his position that he can't discuss this move with his friends because it's, the fact is that lots of people who are mates with footballers bet and that's not because they're trying to cheat cheat money out of the system. It's because they're you know men in their twenties. Men in their twenties who like football like to bet, and that Trippier is being told, and he's told explicitly in the document here, like towards the end of the written reasons published by the Independent Regulatory Commission, that he should have prefaced all of these conversations with his mates with, "Yeah, I am going to Atletico Madrid, but please don't use that information to bet." That's just incredibly unrealistic. Like yeah. nobody, nobody would preface their conversations that way, and it's only really because Trippier handed over his phone, which meant that the commission could have a view of his WhatsApps, that there is this expectation that he would have been saying this. It's, um, I think, it, I think it sets an absurdly high bar to demand our, of our players that they can only only discuss their futures and you know really big life events, leaving England to go and play in Spain. Um, with this kind of ridiculous terms and conditions added on the end to kind of get you off the legal hook. It just seems really unfair. It, it, I'm sympathetic to that because it reminds me of situations where I've been speaking to a friend about somebody else and I felt the urge to say, oh, please don't, please don't mention this to anyone. But to do so would also be quite insulting because the expectation would be that they would know, you know, enough to not say this anyway. Uh, and it, put, yeah, it puts footballers in an odd, odd position. But anyway, let's talk about where the line is then uh because as we say he didn't encourage anybody to bet i think he you know uh it's pretty fair to suggest that he could have reasonably known that that was going to happen at least certainly in, in one case is that line then he does need to or footballers in the future need to need to preface these um these messages uh, and conversations with uh, a request not to do so would that have got him out of this situation Yes, so in, in the document produced by the Regulatory Commission, they say that Trippier should have said in his communications with his friends that they must not use that information to bet on. Um, there does exist something called the Regulatory Defence, which is that uh, if a player did not know or could not reasonably have known that the information provided would be used in terms of betting, 
then they can get off that way. But I think in reality, so many like so many of these conversations are going to be with friends who are into betting. Clearly, in these instances, betting had already been discussed. Not ne- never brought up by Trippier, I should say. The be- the issue of betting was always raised by his friends, and Trippier was simply replying to questions. But because betting had been discussed, and because Trippier could have been ex- should have known that better that there would be betting that's why trippier is legally on the hook and why the fa feel they can punish him now that's why i suppose you know there is a view that trippier has got this wrong that trippier has been naive he's been careless he should have known about the rules he should have known from sturridge's example i'm sure the players will have been told about what they can and can't do and some people have been very critical of trippier on those grounds saying oh he's stupid he shouldn't have done it well maybe Personally, I think that's that's quite unfair and, like I've said, unrealistic. Um, and I just think that the legal burden on this case is totally stacked against the player. It demands an unrealistic standard of behaviour from the player, and I think I think it's wrong. I don't th- I don't think that I don't think that it, it is the right solution to the problem. And I don't think I think it only exists to punish players. I guess the last question would be uh, in terms of the the long term future of these special markets like next manager odds or, or, or new signings. Now we know that they they exist mainly for publicity reasons and they're a good way of you know bringing people bringing people towards your sites, but they can be manipulated. So you know clearly. So what do you think the the long term future of the special markets is? Well, some um, some bookmakers have stopped doing these because they're just too too easily manipulable. Um, I can totally understand why why they would feel that way. You know, they, they raise very obvious problems. I think fundamentally, it's for the betting industry to decide, and that means it's for the betting industry to police. And this is what I think is so baffling about this: is that I do, you know, I do understand that there is a potential issue here. Uh, if I was a bookmaker, I wouldn't want the mates of footballers to be to be putting to be putting bigger sums of money than this on transfers or manager moves or things they might have inside information about but that's an issue for the betting industry it's not an issue where the football association should be trying to over regulate the lives of its players and in you know the case of Trippier and Sturridge these are England nationals these are people who you know these are people who play for the FA's flagship product the England national team and I don't think it's right that the FA should be coming down so hard on these guys when it's like there are so many areas of, of overlap between the betting industry and the football industry. You know, look at any, look how many Premier League teams are sponsored by Man Bet X or yeah, look how yeah. many gambling, you know, go to any football match and see how much gambling is, is pushed down your throat. And even look at the number of football owners who've made money out of gambling. And yet this is the area that the FA choose to come down hard on. It just seems to me to be it's because maybe it's because this is the easiest thing to regulate. Maybe it's because And the actually, most public maybe. Yeah. And it's you know, it's it's easier to come down hard on the players than it is to kind of turn the money tap off. But I just think that that is not really the right approach. Rather it's kind of missing, you know, it's it's missing the wood for the trees. Well, maybe this is um, maybe I'm not on the money here, and maybe this is an indelicate way of putting it. But it does seem like you know the FA is doing a bit of a policing job to make uh, the football environment more hospitable for uh, an industry that spends an awful lot of money uh, in it. Yeah, I mean, it, it is surprising to to see the football authorities um, take you know doing the work of the gambling industry 
at the cost of the footballers. Like the footballers are the guys that make the football industry work, not the betting companies. And yet here we are. Yeah. Okay. Well, hey, thanks, uh, thanks, Jack. And uh, hopefully we'll have you back to speak about this more in the future. I'm joking. I hope there's no more issues like this ever. Uh, I can absolutely promise you there will be issues like this again in the future. <laughs> okay. Well, you're our guy. Okay, well that was Jack, and now it's back to Seb, Alex and me, uh, and we're going to start this Sensible Transfers episode by discussing Isco. Isco, as asked for by Billy Brown. Thanks, Billy Brown. Um, Isco, did you know that Isco is 28 years old? What? What? Seb, what? I know, I know, it's crazy, isn't it? it seems I thought like he was been... like 18 or something. Yeah, yeah, I know. It feels like uh, he's been stuck in that period of his career when he was at Malaga forever. And he was going to jump up, wasn't he? And he then be the best? Up. He was going to be super Like no one ever was? Yeah, yeah. and uh, it's never really happened. It feels, I, I feel a little bit sorry for him because he's like, one of the themes that keeps coming up when we talk about Real Madrid is this sort of between eras situation where you've got a group of players who won all of those European Cups and the next generation, and then sort of bang in the middle with you know players like Rafael Varane is Isco. And he's Isco, fallen right through the, the, the era's crack. He's below yeah, the floorboards right now. I, he, he has done. And also, it's really difficult to make a case for him having a future because positionally, he doesn't seem to fit what Real want, wanted to do in the past or presumably will want to do in the future. So I'm not no. really... And every every transfer window, we, we begin by saying, yeah, they'll probably want to get him off the wage bill. And yet... And you always think, oh, he'll go to really Arsenal odd. or something. Yeah, or he will... Uh, maybe Juventus will make a large bid for him or somebody in <laughs> Germany will, will take a punt. And yet he's still there and he's nearly 30. I wonder why. I mean, uh, maybe he just really likes it there. Sure. Sure. Well, who wouldn't? I mean, the status of playing for, for Real Madrid is something a player will desire. Also, I think the, the important question is, over the last sort of, let's say five years, how damaged has his status been by his lack of involvement? And as a result of that, where could he realistically be expected to move, which would afford him the same kind of stage that he enjoys now? Would he go at the moment to Manchester United? No, doesn't fit there. Manchester City? Mm, I don't think so. I'm not quite sure he's good enough. What, what about Chelsea? No, doesn't fit there. Bayern Munich? Not Arsenal. good enough. Arsenal are totally a Europa League Arsenal. club. I mean, so? yeah. They're also well, Arsenal. Yeah, but you'd have to fund his wages. If you're Arsenal, do you want to put on somebody, put another person on your um, on your wage bill who's probably going to cost £200,000 a week? Who's also 28? I'd say no. I think that's kind of inviting trouble. When does his contract at uh, Madrid end? I do not know. That is information I certainly should have looked up before we... Uh, I'm going to look it up now. Okay. Are you going to use your... your <laughs> Joe's going to use his favourite website now, which is Transfer Marked, where he goes... It's actually Google. <laughs> Google's <laughs> telling me that Isco's contract is uh, is set to run until 2022 with an option of uh, 12 further additional months, which, you know, I suppose the club might not necessarily want to take up at the age of 30, uh, uh, but, you know, I guess he would want to. So, theoretically... Uh, there's a year left, uh, well, a year and a half left plus one possible year. So he could be getting to the point now where he's slightly more affordable. I suppose he's 28 years old, so he's not going to want to lower his wage demand at this point, and I can understand why that would be the case. I have no idea what he's earning at um, at Real Madrid, uh, but uh, 
Also, Probably the Daily Mail reported now. in 2017 that he signed a five-year deal with a £623 million uh, clause. Uh, the, the, then there's an ellipsis, so we'll, we won't finish that. Alex, uh, <laughs> Alex, Isco, uh, tell us a bit, bit about what kind of player he is, because, you know, uh, Seb has alluded to the fact that he wouldn't quite fit in at many of these teams. I've always understood him to be sort of a 10, a little bit more dynamic to my eye. Uh, tell me what you think about him. Yeah, I, I mean, that that is what he was. Um, it's interesting that he's not actually played over 2,000 minutes in a domestic season since 2014-15, when he was 22. Um, he's he's been declining in in the amount of time he's actually played ever since then. He did have that outstanding season in 2016-17 with 10 goals and 7 assists in, in the league, which meant that in terms of his minutes, he was doing a goal or an assist pretty much in, in every kind of full game he played, which is an extraordinary output. He he is that kind of dynamic ten. He's um he's a good ball carrier. He's good in tight spaces. He's very much a a product of of how those kind of you know slightly compact diminutive Spanish playmakers were coming through at that period of time. And I'm not entirely sure why he's been used sparingly since then. Um, because. When he played, he tended to produce relatively well. Um, I, I suppose, you know, sometimes at a, at a big club like Madrid, you can have um, impressive local talent or relatively local talent um, that gets forced out by by bigger players coming in. Uh, I think also with, with Madrid's move to a 4-3-3, that naturally meant that, that Isco was being forced to play largely on the wings cutting inside and that wasn't really what he wanted to do um and and i suppose then you have a difficulty of you know do you change your system because there's one player who's who's very good but isn't getting the minutes uh, or do you stick with what you've got and then just kind of accept that that player is going to be on the sidelines and that's obviously the approach that that madrid went for i i would be very concerned if i were any sort of top club looking at him just on the basis of how little he's played recently um, I, I think it's probably more likely that he would go on maybe a loan move to another Spanish side. It sounds like a loan move, doesn't it? I mean, that, that's why I was... Uh, I'll come back to, again to, to, to ask you, Alex, about the possibility of, uh, of a loan to somewhere like Arsenal. I mean, personally, I think he'd fit in quite well at Arsenal. <laughs> we're, I, I, we're just... I'm really pushing this boat. Creative attacking player to Arsenal, aren't we? Well, that's purely because you know the way that we've discussed Arsenal recently, uh, and what I've seen from Arsenal, uh, you know, having watched them over over the last, I guess, the last couple of months, really. Um, I'm just going to paraphrase what you've said in in their sense in the sensible transfers video, which was uh, released uh, this week on on the main channel. By the way, if anybody wants to go and take a look, Isco not mentioned, uh, but that there seems to be some difficulty. You know, there's, there's dynamism. You know. Uh, slightly further back in um, in in midfield, in, in the form of, of Thomas Partey, as an example, but actually there's a bit of a lack of creativity in what would be the natural number ten area, and really one of the things that the team could benefit from is a player who can move the ball on from you know who can assist in the transition slightly and be a little bit more creative in those tight areas. And I wonder if uh, you know a six month loan deal for Isco with an option for a further year uh, is maybe not a bad thing. I mean I guess it would all those sorts of things all depend on the the finances don't they so but just from a tactical perspective 
and I know it's difficult because, as you say, he hasn't played a great deal, so it's very difficult to judge him. Um, but he could fit there, right? He could fit there, I, I would suggest. But I think Arsenal are in an interesting position at the moment, particularly over the last sort of month or so. Emile Smith-Rowe has started to get proper playing time in that position. Yeah, um, yeah. And he's someone that we talked about back in, I think, the summer of 2019. Um, or maybe maybe it was last year. I don't know. Time is rather elastic at the moment, isn't it? But, you know, that position, Arsenal, I think Arsenal are in, in, in a, a situation now where they, they need to stick or twist with Smith-Rowe. I think he's shown enough to get consistent game time he fits their requirements in that position he's he's able to move the ball on quickly he's a, a you know a good head up player for for making these dynamic passes out wide and then getting forwards into the box um and i i don't know what the arsenal fan base would say but it but it, i think it would be an interesting political move to bring in somebody ahead of a an Arsenal youth product who's starting to do enough in the first team to show that they're they're capable of having a position there. So a a big move that would presumably have quite a high wage impact, even if it was only a loan, uh, given Arsenal's financial situation and the fact they've got players coming through might be quite an unpopular one, even if in a footballing sense it sort of makes sense. Okay, well, that's Isco. Uh, lovely hair and beard. Thank you, Alex. Uh, Musa Diabe of Leverkusen, um, a young winger, 21. Uh, place of birth, Paris. Yeah, very exciting. This is just how I think. Uh, this this person was asked for by TNP, so thanks, TNP. Um, I'm not entirely sure why uh, Musa Diabe is on our list, Seb. Is there an expectation that he is, he is uh, a move is imminent, or is he just an exciting young player that is likely to, to, to leave Leverkusen? Well, what we must say is a very decent Leverkusen team at some point in the, in the future. No, there's no suggestion that he's imminently leaving. There is always a little bit of speculation about him because he's such an interesting and exciting player. And I was I was scrolling down the list and uh, I watched Leverkusen and Diaby over the weekend, who were actually really disappointing. Uh, and it's just an interesting discussion point because he, and I don't know if I'm being lazy by saying this, but there is a, a Sadio Mane parallel. Um, the way he plays is a little bit similar. His position is quite similar, not in the same weight category, of course. But you could see someone like Diaby with, under the right coach, in the right system, evolving in that sort of direction in the future. And so it wouldn't surprise me, as with all young attacking players, if there was sort of serious interest from heavyweight clubs in the future. He's, he just interests me. He's not, um, we're not trying to uh, uh, enrage the Leverkusen fan base by uh, beginning transfer rumours about their important players. But he's, um, he's someone that will almost certainly be on the radar of quite a few clubs. Big portion of our fan base, Leverkusen supporters. Massive, so massive. Please, yes, you know. please. But please come back listening. in a few weeks after you've unsubscribed from our. Absolutely. Our we'll get to a cool name later in the list, and we'll suggest they go to Leverkusen to balance things out. Um, what 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 are you thinking there? Because when you say Sadio Mane, I think Liverpool, and then I can't remember any other football club. So uh, what 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 exactly are you thinking in terms of a move? And presumably, are we are we a year or two away from that point? He still needs to develop, right? Yeah, I think so. I think also because of the financial situation uh, in world football at the moment, the opportunity for clubs to take a little bit of a punt on a uh, on a younger player is not quite what it was. So maybe under normal circumstances, you could see someone putting up you know, forty million pounds for or euros for the RB. Now, 
I think they'd want to see a little bit more before they did that. I certainly think that his pathway to a like a, a truly elite, you know, sort of title contending side, like a, I don't know, a Juventus, for instance, just throwing out, you know, um, name at random. I think that's probably a year or two away. I think he needs to put a little bit more on tape before that happens. Well, to add to that as well, we should say that the date of his last contract extension was December 17th, 2020, and it runs till 2025. So exactly. So it's going to be very, locked very down. Yeah, yeah, pretty absolutely. much. Um, Alex, uh, what do you think of this player? Presumably you've seen him play, and uh, I get that you would like him. Yeah, no, he's he's he is good. Um, I think it's worth saying that he's, you know, only 21. Um, he's, a, he's a kind of classic, you know, inverted winger, quick bursts inside Leverkusen with him and and Leon Bailey on the other side um like to to have a player that sits off while Kevin Volland kind of drags defenders around and then those two quick wingers cut inside and and create the goal threat so um, fast and yeah he's he's very fast um i agree with seb i mean he when he was 19 he had the season at psg where he got six assists um and that was very impressive. That kind of brought him to people's attention. But obviously at PSG, the pathway for young French players isn't necessarily a, a smooth one. So he moved to Leverkusen. I think I'd like to see his output a little bit higher um, to, to really get him into a bracket where, uh, you know, you can you can be assured that, that he's going to become a great player rather than a good one. Um, there's nothing in his numbers other than the fact that he he does hit his XG and his XA consistently. So he's not massively overachieving. There's not like a hot streak where you'd be worried about overperformance that'll drop off. He is consistent, but I think he needs to to do more. I, the, the thing I'd say that's in his favour is that Leverkusen are a good club for giving minutes to young players. So Bailey is 22, Florian Wirtz, who's coming through, is only 17. Obviously, it's where Kai Havertz came from. Uh, Tap Sober, who's the the big, tall, left-sided central defender, is getting lots of minutes at the age of twenty-one. The Leverkusen are one of these sides with with a good pipeline and and confidence in in young players um, to to get minutes and and develop that way because they are kind of a selling club in that regard. So it makes sense for them from a, a business perspective. If he if he improves his output, then he could be. Um, you know, destined for a big club. He was apparently linked with Man United, but, you know, who hasn't been? Who um, hasn't been at this point? That's true. Yeah. Um, but at the moment, I think I think a move to a big club would be premature for him. Well, yes, I hope I hope it has too, Alex. And I'm going to go a little further to appease the uh, Leverkusen, Leverkusen fans. Not appease, but uh, be excited with. Because uh, uh, two years ago, maybe three years ago, I played a lot of the video game FIFA um, which was an unusual thing for me to do. I don't know what I was doing. Maybe I was, you know, fallow. Who knows? <laughs> Who knows? You got fallow. you got quite into that though. You you you. That was in a really interesting stage in your kind of personal growth. It, it was. You were you and, were always trying to convince me to play it, which was yeah, yeah, that's yeah, because yeah, I wanted to beat you. Happen. No, but uh, <laughs> uh, but uh, I played with Leverkusen. Leverkusen were my chosen team to play online against the other the other people and their teams. Um, and I loved the Leverkusen of about uh, three years ago. I'm thinking of Bellarabi. I'm thinking of the Bender brothers. I'm thinking of Julian Brandt and Kai Havertz and Kevin Follen and uh, Leon Bailey, of course. Um, and yeah, Aaron Geese. And 
it was such a good team. Uh, I know some of those players have, of course, moved on now, uh, but uh, I, that that team will always go down in history. A special place for me. Um, so thank you to the people of is Leverkusen the place. Let's move on and talk about uh, Paolo Dybala because multiple people asked us uh, to speak about uh, young Paolo. Is he young anymore? I just don't know how old people are these days. Um, but Seb, Juventus are not having a good season. Tell us a little bit about that um, and also uh, Paolo Dybala because there have been you know rumours and more, th- more than rumours, reports for the last couple of windows that he's on, he's on his way. There just hasn't been anything that's um, been solidified. Yeah, a really strange situation. Obviously, he, he came pretty close to moving to Tottenham uh, at the beginning of last season, only for that move to break down because of, uh, you know, failure to agree, to reach an agreement regarding his image rights. It's it's odd because after that, after that move failed to materialise, there was obviously talk of a new contract, and that's reappeared you know, periodically over the last year and a half. And it seems like every time, um, a, you know, a proper a, a discussion of... Um, of note is on the horizon, it gets cancelled. And so now he's in a situation where he's got maybe, I think, 14, 15 months until his contract expires. And Juventus, Juventus are really in an odd place. I mean, they're having a bad season um, in comparison to what has been a you know decade of absolute dominance of Serie A. They're now, at uh, the time that we're recording this, around 10 points off the top of the table, which for them is a disaster um, to be trading a, a side like AC Milan. I think they're currently in fourth place. Uh, I saw them um, labour past the solo over the weekend, and it they they, they seem like a, a club very much in transition, and and also populated by players who, I mean, they're good enough to play for a club like Juventus, but do they have a long term future there? Are they the right age profile to be there? You'd say no in quite a few instances, and Dybala. And much like we were, it's not quite the same as the Isco situation, but he's in a he's almost in a category of his own. Does he fit what they're trying to do offensively? I'd say probably not. And that's not really his fault. It's not necessarily the coach's fault, Andrea Perlo. It's more just a product of the fact that all roads lead to Cristiano Ronaldo at Juventus at the moment and his massive, yeah. massive, massive contract. And so it's a kind of distorted world there. So I don't know what his future is then. And I, I'm nagged by the suspicion that Dybala... In my mind, Dybala belongs in a much higher category in terms of his ability. He's a brilliant, brilliant footballer at his best. And yet, for as long as he's been at Juventus, there's always been something above him, if that makes sense. There's always been a, uh, he's always been a kind of a, a supporting actor. And you just think for the right club, he could be, he could be a star and he should be a star with his ability, definitely. Um, yeah, so, I mean, yeah, I was very I, excited I don't know about what the prospects of him. I was very excited about the prospects of him playing alongside Harry Kane. I thought that would have been really, really cool. Not that, you know, it necessarily seems like it makes sense now. And in a way, I suppose I'm glad that it, it didn't happen because of the, the emergence of the Son and Kane partnership. Um, but when we're thinking about, you know, teams that, that, that he could uh, feature at Alex, of course, he's 27 years old. Uh, you know, see, theoretically, he should be entering his prime. I'm sure he hasn't played as much football as he would have liked to have done recently. Are there are there obvious uh, contenders that um that 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 appear in your mind? Um, he, I mean, I agree with Seb. He's he's definitely a class above Anisco, for example. Um, he, I think the 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 two things that I particularly like about Dybala are 
consistency of output when he's played he's pretty much always done well he's only had two seasons where he's had less than 0.5 goals or assists per 90 um, which is very very impressive he, he hit 22 goals in one season for Juve um, he's also extremely versatile so you know Allegri used him as as a kind of advanced central midfielder uh, in a sort of um, David Silva, De Bruyne type way. He's played as a striker. He's played as a as a ten. He's played as an inverted winger, cutting in to shoot with his left foot. Um, and he's, you know, if if he's given a chance at a, at a big team and and made kind of the focal point of that side, like he was for Juve back in 2017, 18. Uh, there's no reason at all why he shouldn't excel. Um, so, yes. Obviously, it's difficult in attacking positions because if you look at most of the big clubs, they've got a lot of players in attacking positions because they've already bought a lot of talent. And and if you're at Juve, you know, you're on big wages and you've got consistent opportunities for success. And that's probably why he didn't move in the first instance as Juve transition. Now's probably the right time. But I, I could see him... I don't know. I could see yeah, Spurs. I think still would work. I don't think Spurs necessarily have the money, but I could see him playing in a in a kind of an advanced role behind Kane. Um, I don't want to keep saying Arsenal, but um, I mean, he's like, yes, he would definitely work there. Um, I think Arsenal would be a step down for him, like a pretty significant step down, probably. <laughs> don't, don't you think Spurs would? Um, I, yeah, possibly. I was just referencing that earlier point. Um, I mean, he, I, I, I don't know, but he, he could very easily go to a Real Madrid or a PSG. Um, I'd be interested maybe to see him at somewhere like Bayern and take a bit of the burden off uh, Thomas Muller in that ten position. Um, I mean, he, yeah, he could, he could probably play anywhere. I know that's an incredibly nebulous answer, but. You know, you know where I, I like for not just him, but also Isco. And this is going to depend on uh, Chalanolo's uh, future and whether they allow him to leave or whether he Chal- signs a contract. AC Milan. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. If you think about where they're going as a football club, I don't think Dybala quite fits the profile of what they want. They'd want to go younger. But if you add him to that side, and also there's always been this historic trend of big Italian clubs buying off each other. I don't think that's quite as pronounced as it was maybe 20, 15 years ago in the kind of, um, you know, the the Vieri, uh, Crespo times. Um, but it's it would be interesting. It certainly would be interesting. It's difficult, isn't it? I mean, I, I feel like we come up against this whenever we have these sorts of conversations about players who, um, you know, are theoretically, and it's a slightly more difficult conversation in, in, in Dybala's. Uh, in Dybala as well, but who are theoretically at the very top of the game, there are so few options <laughs> unless they want to, um, you know, take a bit of take a bit of a gamble. The idea that Arsenal, and I don't, I don't think I don't disagree with you, Alex, that the idea that Arsenal is a step down uh, is, is absolutely accurate. But then we consider Arsenal to be, you know, one of the one of the world's sort of premier at least brands, and and, and obviously one of the one of the bigger teams in in England. Um, I don't know if it, it feels like it feels like that kind of step, though, not necessarily to that club, but also I, I agree to, to 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 Milan would also be a nice opportunity rather than up and to play again behind other people somewhere where Dybala can at twenty seven years old 
again establish himself and and show people what um you know why we think of him the way the way that we do the way that he struggled to do so in the setup um at, at Juventus I think it'll be that that makes more sense to me I think another uh, yeah I know that that does make sense I think another Italian club that would be worth looking at would be Roma um they've still got Jeco as their main center forward who's now 34 and is still you know consistently scoring I think he's got seven so far but that Roma are building quite a nice fluid side there and and Dybala could I mean generally they're playing a 3-4-3 a three, three. so he could fit into the, the, the left-hand side role but he could also play as a different kind of striker uh, and give Roma a bit more flexibility and fluidity in the way they construct attacks um, but I think Seb's got a good point there about you know once you're in Italy sometimes there's there's horse trading between those clubs that sees players move with with greater ease than maybe they would move abroad so I think that, yeah, that with less effect sense. on their on their earnings as well that's an important factor here like because if of if the tax exactly thing, so yeah. if you're if you're in Italy uh, and you're leaving to move to a club club of lesser reputation than Juventus you know it's a it's a it's a, a bruise to your ego but also pretty significant bruise to your bank account probably um it's kind of the the Christian Eriksen conundrum at the moment bring it on back that's why everyone comes to the old PL hey mm-hmm. where we got the we got the money farm we're printing the stuff and uh we're painting everything green uh, we, we only have time for one more player, unfortunately, uh, but I'm going to go to Alex to talk about Damari Gray, uh, because obviously Harvey Barnes is clearly ahead of him in the lesser team, um, and he's perhaps a more rounded player, um, but he clearly has value somewhere. Uh, what do you think of him? Um, I like Damari Gray. I, I mean, he's not he's not a significant player in terms of output. Um, the only time he's got more than five assists, uh, sorry, five goals in a season uh, was back uh, when he was 18 at Birmingham, um, and again, assists-wise, not enormous. But there's a there's a very uh, energetic, interesting player there. I think he's he's a good presser. He's hardworking. Um, Southampton, exactly. Southampton. Um, I I think you know he's still only 24. Um, he's he's like you say, he's behind Barnes in, in the packing order at Leicester, and that makes perfect sense because he's not as good. Um, but I can definitely see him working on on that left-hand side for Southampton. I think in terms of adapting to the uh, energetic pressing style that Hassan Hootel has, uh, there's no reason in my mind why that couldn't work. Um, obviously, Theo Walcott has done well both on that left-hand side and also standing in as, as a striker in Danny Ings' absence. Um but that is only a loan from Everton. Uh, I don't think Gray would be particularly expensive, um, which well, he's again, technically a free. He's a- available to talk to other clubs now. He'll be a free transfer in the summer. Then he wouldn't cost anything, which is great. I mean, obviously he <laughs> would because free transfers aren't free. We all know that. But and there'll um, be a signing on fee, maybe. Um, but I, I think he, I think he fits the profile of. of you know, Southampton have have looked, say, with Carl Walker Peters, of at somebody who shows a lot of promise, but isn't necessarily going to get the opportunities at the club that they're at, and and we take a chance on them and develop them, and that's something that Ralph's really strong on, uh, and I think Damari Gray fits that very well, and with Walcott, almost certainly, probably, you know, I, I I just think Walcott staying on, having that deal extended or made permanent, doesn't really make sense. With Southampton's overall signing profile, uh, De, De Gray is somebody I think would fit in well. 
Yeah. It's a shame they can't play together, though, because if they, you know, combine to create a potent, wide attacking force down the flanks, we could call them the Grey Wall, you know? Yeah. <laughs> I've got nothing in response to that. Just every every time you there. say something like that, I'll always remember the time we spent in the office, in the old office, when it was the beginning of the final season of, of Game of Thrones and you spent all day humming the theme tune. You were so excited. It was so sweet. At <laughs> <laughs> the grey wall, at the grey wall. You it was just it was just one of those really endearing moments. And it's just, I, you know, as obviously just the love final telly. season. Well, you know, Telly's as the final great. season became, you know, a, a disaster, I just, I just felt very sorry for you because you'd been let down. I didn't mind so much. You know, it's okay. Everything's fine, whatever. Maybe Ed Sheeran will turn up in my life. You know, for a bit, <laughs> and then yeah, great. That would make sense, wouldn't it? Oh, oh, maybe he'd just be really nice. Fuck off. Anyway, uh, it's the end of the episode now. Thanks to everyone for listening. We do have more players to discuss. You've all been very kind and submitted uh, suggestions. If you're keen to submit some more that you want us to look at, um, and sometimes I do toggle new when I'm looking at these names, so you know, don't worry that we won't see it. Uh, you can head to the TFO Football YouTube page, hit the community tab, uh, scroll down a little bit. We posted it, I don't know, a couple of weeks ago now, um, and there is a request for names. Uh, it's probably the most engaged with post on there, so it won't be difficult. Can, can, I, can I have a moan about something? Can I say that yeah, uh, if you are going to post on our community page, which is which you're most welcome to do, have a look at who has been requested before so that we don't get too many duplicates because uh, Mate, lots you of You don't understand how the internet works people. at all, do you? Imagine if you... Imagine <laughs> that. Like, Can you what, please what scroll what through 600 <laughs> things before no, you make I, your... No, it's, it's <laughs> scan. Just have a little... Just have a, a very quick scroll. No, It'll take don't do 20 that. Seconds. Mindlessly Absolutely engage. Do that. What do you think I'm asking them to do? Seriously, I'm asking them to mindlessly engage. They are a number. I don't care about them, Seb. I don't care about who they are or their personage. All I want is their letters. I want their time. I want them clicking on my things. Look at you. Read through 700 comments before. That's not just, true. Just, By just, the way, just FYI, uh, you leaving a comment on my community page, it doesn't feature in any of the stats, documents I have anywhere, and doesn't help me at all, other than to provide good content for the podcast and as a nice just way to... Uh, don't to, to, ask to, to, for Messi again. That, that's what I'm just, saying. Uh, hey, tell you what, if you're listening this far through, please go and leave a comment asking specifically for Messi and nobody else. That would be lovely for me and it will be great and fun for you to wind Seb up. because Seb's also honestly, available on, on Twitter, so you could just tweet him directly. Oh, will you fuck off? To ask <laughs> for Messi. <laughs> I'm going to do that now as we speak. <laughs> Can someone else close the episode, please, while I'm At typing? Seb SB. No, seriously, Seb, just... Uh, just say goodbye to everyone for me, will you? Yeah, farewell. Bye. See you in a couple of days. Messy, please. <laughs> <laughs>